This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I thank you so much for taking your time out to join me today. Well, on this episode of the podcast, we are actually going to chat about music appreciation. Now, music appreciation, I know, is one of those things that moms sometimes feel a little intimidated about. You kind of look at what's in front of you and you're, where do I start? But it's a wonderful piece of morning time, mostly because music calms the savage beast. And I don't know about your homeschool house, but my homeschool house is full of little savage beasts sometimes, it feels like. And they do love music. It's one of those times that we can sit down, calm down, and listen to something beautiful. And everybody's usually pretty happy to do that for a while anyway. And so to help us out with some of these music questions that we have, I have my good friend Mary Prather on. Mary is the developer of the Squilt curriculum. We actually use this curriculum in our homeschool. It's a very affordable PDF download, and it really helps mom do music appreciation in a way that is open and go and easy and meaningful for the kids. So I think you're going to enjoy this program today as we chat with Mary. Mary Prather is a homeschool mom of two and has a passion for encouraging others. She has a background in both music and elementary education, and she's created her own music appreciation curriculum called SQUILT, which stands for Super Quiet Uninterrupted Listening Time. We can find Mary on the web at squilt.com and on her blog, Homegrown Learners, where she talks about fun Lego activities, homeschool encouragement, and classical education. Welcome to the podcast, Mary. Hi, Pam. I am so glad you're joining me today. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit about music appreciation. Why do you think it's important for someone like me to teach music appreciation in my homeschool? (laughs) Well, I think that Music is one of the essential liberal arts when we're talking about educating our children, and I educate my children classically. So it's one of the essential liberal arts. And I also just think it makes for having more well-rounded children. And sometimes it sets the tone in our day for actually having more calm children (laughs) (laughs) when we've stopped to just listen to music and appreciate something of beauty. And I think that's the biggest thing is just teaching them that habit of attention that listening to good music takes. Yeah, I love that. I love the idea of using the music to set yourself for the day and have have them ready for learning. Well, how Mm -hmm. did your own love of classical music begin? You know, it was when I was a child. Neither one of my parents really had a musical background. But my dad loves music. He mostly always had the Boston Pops records playing. And we would also watch Arthur Fiedler with the Boston Pops on TV when I was young. So that was my dad really sparked my love at an early age. And then my mom got me piano lessons. And it just kind of it went from there. I think it was our whole family 
was having a love affair with music from the time I was probably like sixth grade on. Okay. And then you decided to study music when you were in college? I did. I originally wanted to be a concert pianist. And I quickly found out when I got to college, you know, how competitive it really was. So I actually majored in music education and I loved working with children. So that's what I majored in. Okay. Well, that sounds like a good segue there from being able to share something that you love and enjoy so much with others. Have you always been this enthusiastic about sharing classical music with your own kids then? Yes, I think so. I mean, even from the time when I was pregnant with Anna and I was teaching, there was a particular piece of classical music that we listened to a lot in my classroom. And when she was born, that was, when she was fussy, it was that piece of music that would soothe her. Oh, how interesting. Um, Yeah. So we've always had classical music going in the house. Both of my kids play piano. It's just something, you know, that's at the top of my list of things I want to impart to my kids. Right. Well, you know, a lot of moms, I don't, you're probably very well aware of this. A lot of moms are actually intimidated by the idea of listening to classical music and especially listening to classical music with their children and trying to have something intelligent to say about what they hear going on there. So what Mm -hmm. do you think is some good advice for a mom Mm -hmm. who might want to start enjoying great music with her kids, but she has like little or no background in music herself? Right. Well, you know, I can relate to that because it would be like if I would try and teach my children about art. I am not an artist. I was never, you know, taught how to appreciate art. So I look for easy ways or easy resources or people to help me. But what I would just tell moms is that if you encourage your children, if you're listening to any piece of music, just ask them to get a picture in their head. And you can do that as a mom too. What does that music make you think of? What does that music make you feel? You don't even have to know anything about music, you know, to have an emotion to a piece of music. So that's where I would start. Okay, so start with the emotion or the feeling and maybe Mm -hmm. even have them Mm -hmm. draw pictures. Exactly. We, when my kids were younger, I just had a big roll of butcher paper. We would just roll it out across the kitchen floor and I would play a piece of music for them and just ask them to draw. And then the next time we would listen... You know, we would roll that same piece of paper out again, listen to more of the music, and they would just keep adding to it. Okay, so this was a picture that they were adding to over time. You weren't starting over again. The more they listened to the piece, the longer they listened to it, the more drawings they added to this large piece of paper that you had going. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, would you maybe turn off the music and talk not about any kind of technical terms or anything, but just some about some of the feelings that the music made you feel? You know, usually we talk while the music is going on. Okay. And when I would teach in a classroom too, that's, you know, that's how we would do it. Of course, the kids would have to take turns because there were so many of them. But I would just, you know, say, oh, that looks like so-and-so's happy. Talk to me about that. Or tell me what you're drawing. You know, and it's really sweet, the things that they will share when they're just listening to a piece of music. Okay. I like this because this is very low stress, and I really don't have to know a whole lot about the music to be able to do this. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. 
Well, if I were wanting to get started with just kind of this really super simple Mm -hmm. emotional level of music appreciation, what are some composers or periods of music that would be a good starting place for me for this kind of method? Well, I like to, you know, use pieces of music that the kids might already be familiar with in daily life. You know, it seems like most every child has probably heard Beethoven's Furlies okay. or maybe they've heard Beethoven's Fifth, you know, the da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. da-da-da-da. So I try and pick pieces of famous music, you know, by Beethoven, Bach, Mozart. Sometimes for the boys, we'll use something like more contemporary by John Williams, maybe the theme from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. or the theme from Superman. And that helps kids, you know, they can identify. They already know that. So it has a little more meaning for them if they've already heard it before. And it probably removes a barrier for them that they might have too. Exactly. If they've heard the piece before. Exactly. And, you know, there's there's a wonderful CD series out called Beethoven's Wig. Mm -hmm. We have that. And I, yeah, and I think there's like four volumes But if you don't really know anything about classical music, I think that's the place to start because it gives you all the best music and it plays the original, but then it also will add some words to help your kids remember what that piece was and who it was by, too. Yeah, we've sung Beethoven's wig is very big quite often. Yes, yes. (laughs) So that's definitely a fan favorite around here. So, yeah. Well, I like that. I like the idea of starting with something that they've probably heard either in an elevator or on television or, you know, something of that nature to uh, as a place to get started. Well, I am super excited this year because we are actually going to be using Squilt Volume 4 in our morning time, and it's the modern era. And I just could not be more excited with the composers and the pieces that you chose. I'm probably like, you know, I'm like geeky excited. My kids are like, yeah, mom. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, there's Gershwin and there's Copeland and Williams, you know, like you said. So how do you go about choosing when you start putting together a squilt volume? How do you go about choosing which pieces you're going to use? Well, that's really, really hard for me because to narrow it down to 10 pieces of music out of an era is very difficult. But I think, you know, if I can only give these kids 10 representative pieces, which are going to be the best ones, and it's just a matter of opinion. So I just, you know, kind of think back on pieces that I've loved and that I've remembered. And most of them are pieces that I've taught to kids when I taught school that seem to really strike a chord with my kids in school. So you are looking for those pieces that kids can kind of relate to. Exactly. Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about how Squilt works, because I love the way it's laid out, but you're going to do a much better job of explaining it than I am. (laughs) Well, you know, like you said before, it stands for Super Quiet Uninterrupted Listening Time. And what will happen is you will play a piece of music for your child. And in that first time of listening, your child simply closes their eyes and listens. They're super quiet. You know, I don't want them talking to me. I don't want them walking around, nothing. Just We're just listening. And I keep the pieces short. You know, most of them are four minutes or under. 
So then they listen to it one time. And then the second time, we're going to be teaching them about some elements of that music. And in a squilt lesson, we have rhythm and tempo, mood, instrumentation, you know, the typical elements of music. And I walk you through it as a parent. I say, okay, in this piece, you know, we're going to have kind of a moderate tempo or I'm trying to think of a, of a good example of a piece, but your children will have a notebooking page. And when they listen that second time, then they're filling out that notebooking page and you are guiding them, but I've given you the script in okay, the school so, curriculum. So you don't have to know anything about it. I will actually perfect. say the tempo of this piece is this. The instrumentation of this piece is this. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Explain mm-hmm. to me, for all of us like you know who need classical music for dummies, what is instrumentation? Right. right. Well, instrumentation would be, you know, there are four families in the orchestra, string, woodwind, brass, and percussion. So which instruments are you hearing? Okay. And any... In each squilt volume, I give your kids printables that they can put in their squilt notebook that shows them what instruments are in the string family, which instruments are in the brass family, you know, so they can reference those sheets. And if they don't know what an instrument sounds like, you know, maybe in one piece, there's a trumpet that's highlighted. And so you as the mom will be able to say, in this piece, you're going to hear a trumpet playing by itself. So then your child's like, oh, okay, that's what a trumpet sounds like. Okay. So then later down the line, you know, they're going to have, they're learning as they go. They're not going to be perfect at all, you know, and really I see Squilt as moms and children learning together the grammar of music. Oh, I love that. And then learning how to apply that in a piece of music. Okay. And so I think what I'm hearing you say then is after I have worked through the 10 pieces that you've chosen for Mm -hmm. um, Squilt, and I've right. applied this grammar of music to it, then I'm going to be able to take this same information and apply it to other pieces of music that I hear outside of the curriculum. Exactly. And you know, it's just like with any subject. Once you get that grammar under your belt, then you're going to be able to apply it and talk to other people about it. And it's really interesting because I've had a couple of users of the program that have written to me and said they'll be somewhere and they'll hear a piece of music and their kids will say, oh, the tempo of this, mom, don't you think this is allegro? (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, mom, don't you hear that oboe solo? And they're just so impressed that their kids can listen critically and that they want to listen critically. Yeah, that's awesome. And I I just love Mm -hmm. that it's not contained within itself. It's something that they're going to be able to take and apply to every piece of music that they hear. Um, So you're really giving them tools that they can use elsewhere. So that's right. It's filling, you know, their toolbox, their musical toolbox is what we're doing. Right. So you said Squilt comes with some notebooking pages. So there are instructions for moms and there are notebooking pages in there. Tell me a little bit about the notebooking pages. The notebooking pages, what happens is we have a squilt notebooking page that will be the same for every piece of music. And that's what teaches them the grammar of music. So they have that one page they will do with the piece. Then also, I try to include a notebooking page about the composer. And I include links to help the children learn about the composer. And then sometimes if we're highlighting maybe a particular instrument or a particular style or a particular form of music, 
I'll provide you links to do some research about that and then a notebooking page. So the only thing that you're going to need to teach a squilt lesson is an internet connection in your computer and some school supplies. Okay. And so everything is contained within there, including links to the music itself. Exactly. So it's just one PDF file that you download. There's no CDs, you know, there's no hard copies unless, you know, you're going to print out your child's notebooking pages for them. But that's really all the materials you have. Great. Okay, so tell me about, right now there are four volumes of Squilt. So tell Mm -hmm. me about the four different volumes and what periods they cover. Well, first we have the Baroque era, which is 1600 to 1750. Okay, and remind me who might have lived in that period. (laughs) People like Bach and Vivaldi are going to be then, yeah. Now, you could start with even, you know, older music back in the Renaissance, and I have plans to do a Renaissance volume, but really, I think, you know, for us, starting at Bach was the most accessible for kids. Right. So, that's 1600 to 1750. Then, 1750 to 1820 is your classical era, and that's like Beethoven and Mozart. Okay. And then, 1820 to 1900 is the Romantic era when things really kind of started to shift and your orchestra got bigger. And I'm thinking of like a great romantic was Brahms. And then the modern era is so much fun because, you know, that's 1900 to the present. And, you know, that was very hard to narrow all that down because like we've got Copeland, Gershwin, um, John Williams. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I could do just a whole volume on jazz or, you know, a whole volume on ragtime or blues. Musical theater. (laughs) Well, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, if you're studying a particular era in history, I have a lot of moms that kind of try and line up their squilt volumes with the time period of history that they're studying. Right. Yeah. Or some moms just start, you know, at the beginning and say, we're just going to do music appreciation starting from the very beginning. And that's fine, too. So it really works either way. It does. Now, and this summer, I'm working on finishing up four new volumes, and they will actually be highlighting the different families of the orchestra. So we'll have a volume all about brass, one about strings, one about woodwind and percussion. Okay, so we've got, by the time you're done, we've got like, eight volumes of Squilt going here. So let's talk a little bit about the age group that this is written for. I know when you started Squilt, you started by focusing on the elementary ages, but let's talk a little bit about what we could do with kids who maybe are a little younger or a little older. And how can we do music appreciation with different ages and even a wide age range? So what would you do for kids who are that very young end of the elementary range, even down into preschool. Right. Your littlest ones, the lesson works much in the same way, except they have a notebooking page that simply says, draw what you hear. And it has some music notes on it. So while they are trying to build their habit of attention and and listening, they can simply draw. And then if you've got bigger kids sitting at the table with you, they're going to be pulling out some more difficult things out of the piece that they can write on their notebooking page, which is geared for older children. So there's really kind of two different levels of squilt notebooking pages. Right. And then the The little kids, if you do have that mixed age, the little kids are still going to be listening to those conversations that you're having. 
and picking up some things here or there. Exactly. And, you know, with each lesson, I give some supplemental activities and I always try to include different performances of a piece of music. And so it might be, you know, like a five-year-old violinist who's a prodigy playing that piece of music. Or I've often found like the Muppets do some great rendition (laughs) of classical music. You know, just things that are going to keep the kids engaged and to help them remember that piece of music. So I'm trying to draw in all different age groups in the supplemental activities too. Okay. Well, what if I'm sitting here and so my preschoolers are drawing what they hear on their notebooking page and I'm having Mm -hmm. some really good conversations with my elementary age student. Is there a way I could take it just a little bit farther with a student who's older than elementary age and still incorporate them in the lesson? Right. Well, you know, I still do squilt with my daughter and she's going to be in ninth grade. And I just encourage her to get really detailed on her squilt notebooking page. Um, She's using as many of the musical terms as she knows. And then again, I've given her some supplemental activities. And I'll say, you know, this might just be for your older child or this, you know, your younger children might appreciate this more. I'm trying to be more aware of the fact that we've got, you know, multiple ages of kids Mm -hmm. sitting around, you know, the kitchen table at breakfast time or, you know, whenever doing these lessons together. Right. Okay. That is excellent. I'm so glad that you do. Because that's one of the biggest questions that I get about morning time is how do I do this with a wide age range? And it sounds like that this would be very adaptable to that age range. Yeah. Yeah. I could even see, you know, your older child almost leading these lessons because they're so scripted. You could even assign, you know, your middle school or even a high school child. Okay, I want you to teach this lesson today. I'd never really thought about that until just now. But that sounds like it might be fun. (laughs) That would be something (laughs) that they could do. Yeah. That's one of the things about that I love about morning time with older kids is it's starting to give them a little ownership of the process so that mom is a a fellow learner who's coming alongside and not always the one who's directing everything. And that would be a good way to do that by Mm -hmm. letting them, you know, because you have laid everything out for them, they would be able to pick that up and and do that. What are some other things that you like to use for music appreciation in addition to Squilt? What are some of your favorite resources that a family could incorporate in their morning time along Mm -hmm. with Squilt? Well, you know, my favorite composer biographies are the Opal Wheeler Mm -hmm. composer biographies, you know, so I could see reading a little bit of those aloud each day, which we do a lot during our school days. So that's one of my favorites. Something that we use a lot of is Pandora. If we've been studying like Mozart or we have a squilt piece by Mozart, I will just create a Mozart Pandora station and I will keep that playing, you know, throughout our day or we'll play it in the car. Whenever we're getting time, I'm just trying to immerse my kids in music of that era because, you know, a Mozart Pandora station will pull mostly pieces from the classical era, which Mozart was a part of. Okay, yeah. So let's take just a second here and and talk to everybody about what Pandora is, because I think it's a great tool. I use it. It's Mm -hmm. actually my favorite way to listen to music because I create a station of my likes and dislikes that I'm going to be honest here has nothing to do with classical music. (laughs) You know what I'm listening to as I'm washing the dishes or whatever. 
And I love yeah. the way it sorts the music. So let's tell everybody how Pandora works. Yeah, if you just go to Pandora.com and you can create an account and it's free. And then I usually create a station by composer. But I think you can also do it by musical era or style too. And then it selects music for you and then it just keeps playing. It's streaming music. So when you enter in Mozart, it selects, mm-hmm. a, you, typically the first song you hear is by, by, Mozart. by Mozart. And then what it mm-hmm. starts to do is it starts to select other pieces for you that have the same characteristics as a Mozart exactly. piece. Exactly. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they call it the Musical Genome Project, I think is kind of the technical name for it, where they've right. gone through and isolated all of these various characteristics of the music. And so you get things that sound very similar to the mm-hmm. artist or period that you've chosen. It's really kind right. of fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's really, the one thing I do not like about it is the ads yeah. that they have, but we just, you know, we put up with those or I'll turn them down when the ads come on. But right. it really, and I have discovered a lot of new music that way myself. It's a great learning tool just for me as a mom. <laughs> right, to come across new pieces of music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can get rid of the ads. There is a, a monthly membership. I have no right. idea how much it is. I'm like you. The ads are not that long. It's like we grew up with the radio and you had to listen to the commercials on the radio. So right. I just kind of tune them out. But um, you can get rid of those with a, a membership. Yeah, that's a great little tool. And I'll play it. You know, I'll use my phone. I know you can play mm-hmm. it through the computer, but I'll use my smartphone right. and play it on my Bluetooth speaker. Exactly, exactly. Okay, anything else other than Pandora? Well, you know, there's other streaming music services, too, that you can use. Our family has a a membership to a streaming service called Beats Music, and that allows us, I think it's $10 a month, and that allows us to listen to any piece of music we want. So sometimes in the school curriculum, people don't want to go to YouTube for their links. And then I do suggest in the curriculum, Get a subscription to Beats Music or Spotify or Naxos. Those are some streaming services. And then you can listen to any piece of music you want. Unlike Pandora, which it chooses the music for you, I'm going to be able to go to something like Beats Music and type in the name of the particular piece that I'm looking for, and it'll pull exactly. up that piece for me. That's right. Yes. But in Squilt, you do provide the YouTube links. I do. And I try to provide two, sometimes three. Okay, um, just in case something changes. Exactly. Well, those are some great tools. Is there any kind of musical reference book that you recommend for families or for moms to use? No, I haven't so far. What I'm trying to keep everything, you know, as free and low cost as possible. Right. There is, I link out to the website Classics for Kids mm-hmm. quite a bit. They have a lot of quality things, and I think they, they even have a fairly good music dictionary on there. Okay. So when we're talking about different terms, I link you out to the definition of that term. If we're talking about a particular composer, I'll link you out to how to say, you know, how to pronounce that composer's name. Oh, that you is know. so handy. <laughs> Right, because not everybody knows like Shostakovich or Prokofiev, you know, how to say those. So, and, you know, my kids will usually play the pronunciation like 50 times, you know, because I think it's funny. (laughs) 
but I'm finding we can find most everything that we need online and usually for low cost or free. And so that's my goal is to keep the cost as low as possible. Right. But it's really nice that you have collected all of those resources and have them in one very easy spot to Mm -hmm. um, have them right there for me. I'm appreciative of it. So (laughs) that's great. So what are some of the relationships between music and other areas of the curriculum? You know, I think the biggest one that I find is between music and history, especially if you delve into a composer's life. Um, You learn a lot about what was going on in history at that point in time. So that's the biggest curricular reference I see. Now, of course, when you get more technical, there's a lot of music and math connections when you get into you know, learning how to count rhythms or different musical forms. And our older kids explore a little bit of that in Squilt, the music-math connection. I know there's lots of music and science connections, too. And that's what I think is just so neat about music is that you can pretty much put it in in any area of the curriculum you want. You can find some kind of a tie-in with it. Right. And this is fabulous if you have a child who's really interested in music and making those cross-curricular connections for them based mm-hmm. on that interest. But also, I think it's fascinating for just anybody. Right. So in your history and music connection, I know that when you look back on the musical era of like the 50s with rock and roll and the 60s and, and things like that, the, the kind of a, a musical connection to the culture and the political culture of the day and really, you know, just very much tied into life. And I think sometimes when we think about these other musical periods, we don't really see how music was connected with life, but it really was, wasn't it? I mean, wasn't music always kind of culturally and politically connected with what was going on? Could you see that in other periods? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think you can see it, you know, in Bach's time because, you know, he was a Lutheran organist and he traveled all throughout Germany. So you're learning a lot about, you know, the history and the politics of Germany at that time and the Lutheran religion, too. So, yeah, I think another composer that can be real fascinating with that is like George Gershwin because he was, you know, early 1900s, right when immigration to the United States was just starting to become very popular. And he and his brother were immigrants to the United States. So, you know, I think we touch on that a little bit in our Gershwin lesson in the modern era. Yeah, I don't think sometimes that kids see composers as actually like real people. (laughs) Right. That we're living and functioning just like we do, you know, and that their times and circumstances influence the emotions in their music. Yeah, and then even Mm -hmm. whole movements of music as far as like, Let's say the jazz era. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Definitely a fun thing to put on a timeline and see how these composers and when they lived and the music that they were writing, how it related to the different, you know, what else was going on in in history Mm -hmm. at that moment and comparing it with literature and historical events and political events and things of that nature as well. Right. Right. Very fascinating. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining me. Tell me again where we can find Squilt. Sure. My website is squiltmusic.com. And if you go to that site, I have a tour of a Squilt volume you can look at. And I have samples of the curriculum that you can see. And hopefully by the time anyone is listening to this podcast, 
my site will have a whole different look and feel to it. And I'm also working on releasing these four new volumes. So I'm, I'm really trying to, you know, update, improve, because I learned so much just after having done this for two years and getting feedback from moms like yourself mm-hmm. about what they want, what could make it easier, what we could change. So we will be looking forward to all of those changes coming late this summer and into yes. the fall. And it's squiltmusic.com. And Correct. Uh, you can find Mary there and you can also find her at homegrownlearners.com as well. Thanks so much for coming on here and teaching me a lot about music appreciation today. Well, thanks for having me, Pam. And for your basket bonus this week, we're going to try something a little bit new. Instead of a PDF download for you, we're actually going to provide a tutorial. Now, the tutorial is to show you how to set up your very own stations on Pandora. And we're going to show you how to do that on the computer and on the iPhone app as well. So we'll show you how to search out those meaningful stations based on composer and set up the station on your device, your computer, or your iPhone so that you can then play those for your kids as you're eating breakfast or maybe having tea time or throughout morning time and then later on as you're working on your school subjects as well. So be sure to click on over to the show notes for this episode at edsnapshots.com forward slash YMB7 to access your basket bonus tutorial for this show. And that's episode seven of the Your Morning Basket podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today to learn about music appreciation and how we can add that to our morning time. If you would like to access any of the resources that Mary and I spoke about today, including links to all of those streaming music services that Mary shared with us, you can find links to all of that at edsnapshots.com forward slash YMB7. We'll have all the links there for you in the show notes, along with your basket bonus tutorial. And I hope you join me again in a couple of weeks for another great guest. And until then, we'll encourage you to keep on seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool. school.